You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hey everyone, it's James Hansen from the SLC Punks Podcast. If you're a fan of the Limited Upside Podcast with Mike and Ben, but you're looking for a little more information about Rudy Gobert and just how long his arms are and, and who is this Joe Ingles guy from Australia that just got a brand new contract from the Jazz, then head over to iTunes, search for SLC Punks and hit subscribe and you'll become the Utah Jazz expert that you always dreamed of being. Welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast, team preview number 23 of 30, the Utah Jazz. This is a team that was at the center of one of the biggest stories of the offseason with Gordon Hayward leaving. And now, what kind of team do they have left? Uh, we talked to two people who really know the market and the team well from SB Nation's SLC Dunk. We talked to Michael Lohman and James Hansen. They also run the SLC Punks podcast. We start off, you know, with some Hayward talk and how painful that gut punch was that he left. But then we talk a little bit about one of the most intriguing, interesting teams in the league. You know, how spread the joy of Rudy Gobert. Let's explain what makes him so great. And then also, what kind of is going to work around him? You know, how is this team going to score points? Uh, what are we going to see from Rodney Hood this year? What are we going to see from Donovan Mitchell? A lot of question marks, a lot of really interesting things. This was a really interesting podcast. I think we'll give you a sense of how unique this market and this team really is. This is a Limited Upside podcast. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. You can find us on iTunes. Leave us a review, uh, good or bad. We really appreciate the feedback, especially on these team previews and as we go into the season, which is 20 days away. We'd like to hear from you about what we're doing well, what we don't, what you want to see differently. You know, leave those reviews. We obviously love five stars, but if we, if you want to leave a nice little three star with some constructive criticism, we, we're totally good with that too. We're here for you. You can also send us questions for these team previews and any upcoming podcasts that we do by tweeting at us at limited underscore upside. We ask those questions on the show. You can find us on anywhere you get your podcast, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, all of those places, and on SBNation.com. So check that out. But until then, this is the Utah Jazz Preview with Michael Lohman and James Hansen from SLC Dunk. This is a limited upside podcast. back limited upside podcast team number 23 of 30 and this is a team that i am really fascinated by and ben for some strange reason is not which i don't quite understand so he's not here we've got two members of our uh utah jazz community lclc dunk michael loman the editor-in-chief and uh james hansen he runs the podcast which has a great name slc punks Great name, great site. I love it. Um, they're on here to talk about a team that a lot happened over the summer, guys, and it's now been three months since uh, he who shall not be named left. Um, <laughs> how uh, how is your perspective changed? Because we have to start with with that with that when we talk about the Jazz, we just have to. So, Michael, how are we feeling three months later about um, he who should not be named leaving the three months later? I, I think all of us have gone through almost all of the stages of grief um, through this. I mean, we you know, there was the first vitriol of it all being angry about it and 
And uh, I, let, let's let's break it down a little bit. You know the the it bre- the news breaks. His agent is saying it doesn't, and then he says, looking back on it, he's he had to go through three separate posts and and really thinking about it and went through you know a few hours and blah blah blah. I was still thinking, and left. I think the the back and forth between the fan base that that hurt the fan base more than actually the decision of anything it was just just uh, a a fourth of july that was that left it in anticipation of bad mouth so i think all what's the feeling in jazzland right now is yes there's still a cloud over the team whenever you talk about expectations of it it's we could have been that it's going to be a big could have like when you when years down the line and this team and the talent and the young talent and the and the veterans that are with them, we're going to look back on this and be like, man, they could have had something really, really unique uh, with with Gordon Hayward. So, uh, but I mean, optimism abounds still with uh, with Ricky Rubio and and the new uh, rookie Donovan Mitchell. So uh, it, it's an intriguing season coming up. Yeah, we went about. What, four minutes or so without mentioning Gordon Hayward's name. So good job <laughs> with that. Um, yeah. So just to review for those who, who may have forgotten, obviously we all know Gordon Hayward is in, in Boston, but you brought back some memories. I think jazz fans don't want to hear about what happened on that July 4th, where it's reported by ESPN's Chris Haynes that he is choosing the Celtics this after a series of meetings with Boston, <sighs> Utah and Miami. I'm not saying this to like torture you. I just want our listeners to make sure because remember how weird that day was and I, I know it's going to be a little tough for you guys to live through this but he does that all happens it comes out and then there immediately are sharp denials from his agent Mark Bartlestein and from other sources saying he has not decided the Jazz said they had not heard from him that day we all are kind of waiting in limbo Mark Bartlestein said something cryptic along the lines of well we thought we were going to decide tonight but now we're not sure Right. That's how. I... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seemed like you know what you all ruined it, so you have to wait till tomorrow to get your get your present. Yeah, yeah. So that was fun. And then, meanwhile, at around eight Eastern or so, I remember this because I was at a barbecue at my in laws, and around then the Players Tribune letter drops that um, buries the lead about seven paragraphs before Hayward says he's going to Boston. So. That's the backdrop of this. James, how has your kind of reaction to Hayward, the player, and how you think of how this all went down changed in these three months since that day? Well, it's it's a frustrating thing because we've, I mean, me and Michael have watched literally every single game that Gordon Hayward's played. And for the first four or five years of Gordon Hayward's career, you spent a lot of time kind of standing up for them, even though you kind of knew that, you know, people were right. It was such a big thing for jazz fans to kind of compare Gordon Hayward to to Paul George just because of when they were drafted and how close they were. And But the, the last two seasons is when he really started kind of living up to it. And last season, when he became an all-star, it was just, I mean, it was it was great. It was like, we finally, like, it's like telling everyone that kind of, doubted Gordon Hayward like no he really is he's really great like watch him he's great <laughs> you'll see and then uh, and then he left us <laughs> so right <laughs> it's frust- it's frustrating because i uh you know he he really 
was kind of the focal point of everything we did as far as offense. So Quinn Snyder has had set up this offense that kind of ran through Hayward. He got a lot of touches. Um, I think he shot around 16 shots a game or something like that. And every, But everything ran through him, whether it was him facilitating, shooting the ball, or kind of just running the show. And uh, at this point now, I... I uh, I guess it's hard for me not to want to like rip on him, but we do know how good he was. You know, it's hard not to be kind of that, that jilted X or whatever. And yeah, I mean, uh, for Utah and Utah fans, it, it really small markets always, most small markets feel this way where they feel like their star player is, is going to leave them. There's always this, this fact of there's the LA's there's the New York's there's the Chicago's, there's these big teams that are going to basically take your players and there's nothing that you can, that you're going to be able to do about it. And, and with, with Gordon Hayward, we had almost felt like we found a guy who's not going to be like that. You know, he, he, he came up from Butler. He was, he was sort of this underdog type of guy. A lot of people rooted for him um, and, 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 and rooted for him, in a way, just as James said, where it's just like, you know what, maybe Paul George is better now, but Gordon Hayward can be, be even better. And so there was that idea. But now after he's left, it's almost like the Jazz fans are looking at Rudy Gobert a little bit for the loyalty piece. But also in the back of their heads, they know uh, his contract is going to be up here in, in a few years. And are we going to be doing the same thing with Rudy Gobert? Yeah, and it's just just it's just just a cycle. Do we have to build a team and have it align perfectly in these guys' prime years all at the same time? I read your piece that you wrote uh, right after Hayward left, and I, I like the point you made where it's like, oh, we're just sort of like you said, it's uh, now Rudy Gobert is a hero, but then in however many years is Rudy Gobert going to be the villain and Donovan Mitchell going to be the hero? And then it's, you know, it sort of repeats itself. Uh, you guys have kind of talked about two forces that I think make this especially painful for, for jazz fans in a way that I think we've talked a lot about, but I think it, it's something that you can't really understand unless you are a jazz fan. One was something that you, you mentioned in this piece, Michael, which was like, you guys were bit by what I'm going to quote you on this, the unicorn of loyalty with Carl Malone and John Stockton. Um, and that's sort of the backdrop of how many of jazz fans came of age. It's, you know, seeing these two players who, I mean, it's unheard of that two players at this stage would stay in a market like Utah for 15 years. I mean, not one, and two did it at the same time. So, yeah, I, th- I think the, and both of them Hall the of Famers. Poss- yeah. yeah, the possible like comparison would have been if Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook stayed with OKC their entire careers. Yeah, that would be that would be the literal equivalent. Yeah. So there's that historical sort of in the back of your heads. It's like, you know, when I was growing up, that's what my stars did, that we were different. We had the two Hall of Famers that stayed. And then the other piece of it, which is what you guys have both mentioned, is that you can't point to like anything other than like a bad run of health and maybe questions about whether the injuries are managed properly and all that, that the Jazz did wrong to lose Gordon Hayward. I mean, I guess the original sin is that the is the restricted free agency status back in the day, but he wasn't who he was today. So, well, I, I mean, that's like if you look at what, who Rodney Hood is right now. 
Yeah. That's almost like what Hayward was when they signed his signed him to a max deal. Right. And so that like well and and Rodney Hood shoots a better three point three point percentage than Hayward did. I mean Hayward it was the biggest argument that we had with like every every day for two was years. for two years exactly two years do we max that. this guy and it, i would say a majority of fans probably didn't want to to be honest they it just he wasn't this player that really put you over the top it was all just you know hopefully this guy will figure it out and you know you could see potential with hayward but his first three seasons just didn't really give you that much proof that he would do it and so I, I don't think you can give Dennis Lindsay any flack for the way that panned out. It's frustrating, but right, it was it was a smart call because because honestly, the two teams that he he went to visit was uh, Cleveland at that time, who was just one of the worst teams in the NBA, and and the Charlotte Bobcats, and that's the only two teams that were interested in giving him a max. So if that's not a mistake, anything that happened after that definitely wasn't a mistake. You know, they they were building something. Nice and slow, like is how you're supposed to do it in a market. They were building something unique too. You talked about it a little bit, but it was also a stylistic uniqueness too, because they were going to play zag wherever the rest of the league zigged. So there was a sense that you could build almost like the counter to the way the league is going, and they're sort of the foil, and that's really interesting. And then losing him does really collapse all of that in a way that nobody—it's nobody's fault. It's just. That's so you have those two colliding forces, and I can totally understand the frustration. The last thing I want to talk about with Hayward, and then we should move on to this team because I'm sure angry jazz fans have already tuned out. Is <laughs> they're just having a little PTSD right now. Yeah. I know you're actually bringing it up a little. <laughs> yeah. So, last thing I'm one thing that I thought was interesting was the way that some of the players responded and especially the way Rudy Gobert responded with the loyalty Instagram with his comments six days later saying he didn't like the way it was done. It Do you think that that there was – I'm curious from both of you. I mean, I don't know how much you're around. You know the team players well. But, like, do you think that they were they were genuinely – this shows that there was a genuine sort of rift between the players and Hayward or something that was exposed. Or do you think they were kind of playing to the crowd a little bit to jazz fans? Like how authentic do you think those frustrations immediately after and continuing on uh, are with the players? That's a great question because like first off with Rudy Gobert, I think, I think Rudy Gobert is a genuinely authentic player. So when he when he has something, he when he tweets something or anything else, he kind of does it for self motivation. Anything on Instagram, I mean, just look at his last like twenty likes, and they're probably going to be people hating on Rudy Gobert. Mm-hmm. So uh, that that's just the way he's wired. Uh, Joe Ingles had said some things during. Um, during media day, where he said, "You know what? I don't like." I'll, uh, when they were talking about if uh, one of the sticking points with a lot of jazz fans just inside on the Gordon Hayward leaving was that he never called Gail Miller, who is, who was the wife of Larry Miller, the past owner, past owner of the Utah jazz and the, the head of the trust in which the Utah jazz are part of now. And so he never called Gail and, and that's like calling grant like the grandma of the Utah jazz. You didn't call her when she was, when she was heading out. Um, when you were heading out. And so he, in addition with all of that, Joe Ingles has said some things, well, I didn't get a call either. And 
so it, it was kind of interesting. I, I'm not sure if all of the happenstance with him, with it leaking before it should, if he was going to start calling people and then felt really embarrassed about it. Uh, because he is, he is kind of a very, uh, like as far as like socially goes, he kind of keeps to it he keeps to his own. Mm-hmm. Um, the only player that he really interacted with a lot, a lot off the court was one Jeremy Evans, who was no longer with the team. And then Joe Ingles, who is basically the most social guy on the Utah jazz. So saying like, yeah, me and me and Joe Ingles are really close. It's like saying, well, yeah, everybody's really close with Joe Ingles. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so I think I think there is some genuine like I don't like how he did it, but they're not going to say it in the media because they're going to be looking at their next contract, and if there's another deal out there, they're going to do what's best for them. So I think they're I think they're mad about the situation that they're left in now, but when if they were put in the same situation, I, I and maybe this is just us being jilted from seeing guys leave want to leave Utah or say they want to leave Utah like Carlos Boozer, Darren Williams, and now Gordon Hayward. Where you're just like, you know what? I think nine out of these ten guys, if they have the same options presented to them, they're leaving. Yeah, I I totally agree with Michael too about Rudy. Rudy, if you want an honest follow on Twitter, it's Rudy Gobert. One of the first tweets that Rudy ever did that really kind of showed you, oh, I need to be following Rudy on Twitter is is when I think it was his first year, and he was it was under Coach Corbin. And the Jazz were on one of their, I mean, it was the year we lost a ton of games. And I remember Rudy tweeted something like, it hurts when you know you can help the team win. And he got in the doghouse for that tweet because mm-hmm. <laughs> he was sent to the D-League and he was just, he just tore up the D-League and went back to the team and we continued to lose games. And, and, and uh, the best, I mean, the best tweet, well, it wasn't a tweet, it was an Instagram story that Rudy Gobert did right after Hort- Hayward left. I don't know if you saw it, but... Yeah, Rudy was waving to the camera with these hoes ain't loyal. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And then he uh, he did a didn't he pulled the little like uh, I was just listening listening to music. Wink, wink. After yeah, that, exactly. he, he has which... his little Rudy smirk that he does when mm-hmm. he says stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, we can we can stop talking about Gordon Hayward now. Um, before we talk a little bit about like how he he actually is a replace on the court. Since you brought up Rudy Gobert, um, you don't have to convince me how good the dude is. I did a whole video on him in midseason showing his impact. But let's say you're talking to somebody that is not quite as uh, familiar with the subtleties and all of this that Rudy Gobert is. What is your give me your case for like what? What would you tell them about how good this dude is? Like, how would you help them understand uh, his, how good he actually is on the court and how impactful he he is to the team and to you know in a way that others aren't? I think uh, I'm going to defer to the guy who created an eight bit cartoon of him, James. <laughs> yeah, I, I may love Rudy Gobert too much, but I think I think a good example. So, uh, and I'm completely biased. Maybe you know, but. When Rudy Gobert started for the Jazz, the Jazz literally went from a lottery-level team to a playoff record team. Like So, for example, when Ennis Cantor was traded, the Jazz immediately had an above... Like they, I think they were on to like a 50-win pace for the rest yeah, of that they, season. And, and their defense actually in that after All-Star, if that, that was extrapolated out to an entire season, would be one of the top 10 historically great defenses in the league this is in 2015 yeah. to be this would clear. have been 2000 yes 2015 let me think let, back yeah 
2015 and, during the Anna's cancer trade. Correct. Well, and I, I just, I mean, we, everyone knows nationally, locally, just how good Rudy Gobert is defensively, but you really have to watch him to kind of get the nuances of it. He's not just a shot blocker. He, I think one of the best ways to kind of describe Rudy Gobert on defense, um, like I loved your video, Mike, that was, it was absolutely excellent showing kind of the nuance of what he does. But I would, I would compare Rudy Gobert to kind of like a shutdown corner in the NFL. There are so many times where opposing teams' game plan just avoids Rudy altogether. Like even like uh, Kevin Durant made a video after uh, the, they beat the Jazz and swept the Jazz, and he talked about actually how you know how they were tough games. They actually had to try, which I guess is a compliment. <laughs> oh. But like he talked about how they couldn't score inside, and that was Rudy Gobert, and so. He really defensively is is very very special. He just he covers that the ground so well, and there's so many plays that they they just give up on they you, because you know it's just not gonna it's not worth it, and so they look for outside shots and and but the other thing that I would tell people too is Rudy's offense is has become underrated as well. He's one of the best pick and roll big men in the NBA. And that's what's exciting to think about this season, having added Ricky Rubio to kind of see how good that could be. Yeah, I, I would agree with with James there. It, it, he is like a shutdown corner where he just shuts down an entire portion of the court. It's not just the key, but he is he's able to really affect shots and he can recover. So if so, if somebody's man gets beat, he's he's able to be there, which allows the Utah Jazz to gamble more on defense. And to be able to play more one-on-one and not have to worry. Uh, the other great thing is he's really athletic. And so it's not like this guy who's just hunkering down in the key. He can get back on the pick and roll. He plays the pick and roll really well on defense. He doesn't get swallowed up. He can stay with these these little guys. There's a lot of times where you see him block shots on the perimeter, which just is, is insane in its own right. Um, the other great thing that is... His offense is um, really, 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 really undervalued. But also the fact that because he's crashing to the rim and he's so effective around the rim, that opens up shots. There's a reason Joe Ingles had so many open opportunities last year. Joe uh, Joe Ingles was one of the best three-point shooters in the league last year, Mm -hmm. and there's a reason for it. And, Everybody and, sucks into Gobert and the, yeah, the exactly. guys open. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, I guess I, one big question that, you know, we'll have to figure out is, you know, whether that can continue without Hayward there. And um, But I, his offense really took a big jump last year. You know, I think there was a period where he, you really could just guard him with a small guy and he couldn't do anything. And last year he became much better with the ball. He kind of had better – timing on his screens you know he's obviously not going to post anyone up but he was stronger too yeah you know he, he wouldn't be knocked off balance when he dived down the lane so that was like a huge factor and then yeah defensively I mean the one way I, I've always thought about it is that like ultimately as an offense what you're trying to do is force two defenders to kind of cover an area and then you you draw them and then you figure out where the opening is that's ultimately how you do it and with Gobert in the middle you just the Jazz just don't have ever have to put two on the ball in any situation it's just much harder to kind of 
suck them in and then move them around. They just sort of get to stay there. They like uh, they pro- I don't have the stat on this, but they probably had the fewest rotations they had to make because they're never because they can just he he can just extend his arms and he like a shutdown quarter like you said it's almost like he's blocking out if the paint is the sun he's blocking it out it's an it's like an eclipse you know with all his space another thing they don't have a stat on is how many guys just don't take a shot down there right well they they kind of do they have like the the you know i think i forget where they ranked uh in fewest restricted area shots, but I, yeah. I believe they've always been down at the or up at the top of the league in fewest. Yeah, fewest restricted area, and and there's guys who will just, uh, and especially guards, uh, and and it's getting to the point now that Rudy Gobert has a reputation for it. Like before, he, I mean, I mean, when he first came in for Anna's Cantor, he was getting a, a lot more blocks just because there were so many people who he just didn't have the reputation, and so people were. We're going in there challenging, just not realizing what was going to occur. And now, I, I, I think the fact that he averaged 2.7 blocks a game last year with his reputation on the rise is pretty stellar in the fact that he's not, there's not as many opportunities and chances as he was getting during his rookie year. And so there's a lot of people who just don't. They'll just, they'll, they get to the, to the middle and they see Rudy and they're like, eh, I'm going to pass out. We'll, we're going to restart. Yeah, it's almost like a block the percentage. You know how they have field goal percentage. It's like the percentage of like opportunities that you block avail- available blocks. <laughs> almost is probably really <laughs> high. Yeah. Hello, Internet friends. This is Ryan Nanny from the Shutdown Fullcast, where we are running a charity drive to help victims of the recent hurricanes in Texas, Florida, Puerto Rico, and other parts of the Caribbean. How can you get involved? Great question. Go to bit.ly slash fullcast2017. bit.ly slash fullcast2017. Learn about the charities where you can help the victims of these terrible storms. And even better, if you give money, You can force us to say pretty much anything you want because we're easily suggestible and we're committed to charity and also we're bad at making good decisions. Take advantage of that. Go to bit.ly slash fullcast2017. We're only collecting donations through the end of September. So go, go, go. Donate right now. Give us all your money and then we'll say dumb things. That's kind of what we do all the time anyway. Don't worry about that. So we know they're going to be great defensively because of him. We know that they have some interesting uh, pieces there. Let's shift to the other end, shall we? Uh, let's talk a little bit about the. Why would uh, you do that to us? I'm sorry. Uh, I gave you the chance to talk up, talk up, uh, talk up, Rudy, because I, you know, I love him too. I, I just love players that are a little bit different, and there's something that they bring to the table that's very different from what we've seen before. It's why I love Giannis. That's why I'm a huge Gobert fan. Uh, they just that you don't find a player around the league like those guys stylistically. Um, let's talk about the offense though. So. The big question that everybody has, and we had a lot of people who asked this to us, and you can always send us questions. Uh, Corbin Ford Watson, two-minute warning, uh, asked us these questions. 
how are they going to score points? And I'm going to leave that super open-ended and see where this goes. But like how, how without Hayward and now with Rubio and his uh, struggles shooting the ball and sort of with their deliberate system, uh, James, how are they going to score points this year? Uh, well, they've already kind of hinted at that in media day in their last few days of practices. One of the things about the Jazz offense last season is it, it was definitely tailored to towards Gordon Hayward, partly because Gordon Hayward was our best offensive player. So that's kind of exactly what you should do. But a lot of Jazz possessions last year, we had the slowest pace in the NBA, and a lot of it was going and setting up in half court. And part of that is by design because it's it's easier to have a good defense if every possession is a half court possession and you can get back on defense and things like that but the way they have to score this year is they've got to do more they've got to get more easy buckets in transition they i think i don't have the stats but i know that they're one of the lowest teams in terms of transition points and so the one of the nice things they've done and and this might make up a few points we lost a lot of points per game (laughs) <laughs> but uh, we're going to make up a few points. We have Ricky Rubio, who's a two-steal-per-game guy. Joe Ingles is actually a two-steal-per-game guy. Um, Rudy Gobert with his block shots. I mean, our defense is going to have to create some of our offense, and the Jazz just have to run. Uh, if you watched the Jazz a lot last season, there were a lot of times where you watched uh, kind of a transition opportunity just kind of turn into a half-court set when it's just like, no, go to the rim. You have to go to the rim. And if if the Jazz, if Ricky Rubio is running the show and we do the same things we did last year where we just have half-court possession after half-court possession, it's going to make it easy on other teams to just back off Rubio and force him to shoot. And uh, that's going to be tough to watch. If we, if we don't get transition buckets, I don't know what we're going to do. It, 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 it's, like, it's like in Moneyball when, they're, when all the scouts are around Billy Bean and they're like, how are we going to replace these guys? And Billy Bean says we can't. <laughs> and it's just like right. that's that that that's that's a hard thing with the Utah Jazz, and that's um, uh, speaks a bit to what the Utah Jazz's strategy was in the off season. Uh, Dennis Lindsay, he he didn't really go out there for offensive juggernauts and filling these roles. I mean, he went out, he got Thabo Cephalosha, he got Jonas Jerebko. And then for point guard, you got more of a def- defensive-minded point guard in Ricky Rubio. And so you have these uh, – And I mean, Jonas Drebko is more known for stretch, you know, being a stretch forward than a defensive player, but he's not known for being a scorer by any means, by any stretch of imagination. So you're looking at the Jazz, and so they're looking at, okay, we have to hope for internal improvement. And so that that's speaking on guys like Dante Exum, Rodney Hood, um, and Rudy Gobert. You're, and then you're hoping for uh, health to, to play, people returning and getting healthy. So that's, that's looking at Derek Favors and Alec Burks. And, oh, yeah, and they still have Alec Burks. Jeez, I yeah, forgot yeah, about yeah, him. Yeah. Better, like, <laughs> when, when I was like writing, like, so I think, because joking around internally at our blog, we've been like, well, how many more posts, how many re- more returns of Alec Burks can we have? <laughs> Because <laughs> it, it, it just because uh, the first year he returned, there was like the hashtag return of AB. The, uh, the the Jazz like played that up, and then he got hurt two two months into the season. Yeah, yeah. and then and then then the next year they're like the return of AB. So it was the return of the return of AB, and now we're talking <laughs> it's the return of the return of the return of AB. <laughs> and this is this is it. This yeah. is this is really the year. Yeah. And third time's a charm, literally. 
Uh, but yeah, man, so, they, they do have a lot of beat. They have a lot of guys. <laughs> like I, you, yeah. you always remember that, that they have so many guys. One really quick stat that I was pulling up uh, to, to speak to the point about transition play. And I want to talk a little more about this because, you know, obviously, like you said, the Jazz are known for this slow sort of pass heavy motion offense. Uh, that's kind of different than what other teams play. The Jazz last year actually had the highest transition uh, efficiency in the league. According to synergy stats, they were number one ahead of the warriors but they were the second least frequent transition Ah, team in the league so when they ran they were effective but they just didn't do it very much so i guess the hope would be that you can bump that up to middle of the pack and maybe you're a little less efficient but that's what you're creating Uh, and that's where rubio comes in so I mean, like, I feel like coaches talk about this all the time. Like, we're going to play faster. I mean, the big question to me that I don't quite get is, I mean, well, let's start with this. Are they playing Favors and Gobert together like they used to, or are they not doing that anymore? Now that Favors is healthy and lost weight and he's in a contract year, are they going to play those two together at the same time? It certainly seems like, yeah. I I think one of the the ways the Jazz might score more this year at least when they're in the half court situation is it reminds me of when Rudy got his first year starting and he started alongside alongside favors. And we actually scored at a pretty average, uh, offense, uh, offensive rate. Uh, and part of it was just because of offensive rebounding that we didn't have the greatest shooters, but favors and Gobert would be inside and, and would get the ball and just put it back. And we'd actually scored a relatively efficient rate. Uh, I don't know if that's kind of what, they expect to do this year uh the biggest question mark is just can Derek favors even be healthy we haven't had a healthy Derek favors for like two years and he might be the 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 candidate that scores more points per game for us than anyone if if favors is healthy he i mean there was a time a few years ago where we used to consider Derek favors our best player rather than yeah I, i remember he was great he was one of my favorite players Exactly. And he just he's had just like tendonitis things and he's had back issues and he's had sore knees and confusions. Yeah. And that that was a big story for the jazz offseason that I mean, I I, national people probably don't know about is the jazz really revamped their their health team. They have the new vice president of of what do you call him? They Uh, gave him a fancy performance health care. Yeah, Yeah. there it is. (laughs) But they they, they went to they went to Phoenix <laughs> and they stole a guy from Phoenix to try to help their oh yes their yes yes uh, his name's Mike Elliott yes yes and they need that because man yeah, have they I, had a lot of injuries over the last few years yeah yeah at some point like I I think part of what Dennis Lindsay is doing he's just like just in case we haven't turned over every rock to find out what's wrong with this health thing and I think that's part of the they want to give uh these Alec Burks and Derek favors the benefit of the doubt and be like, maybe it was our fault. Let's make sure that it wasn't our fault that right. you guys, maybe it's, maybe it's not you, maybe it is us. So, I mean, kudos to them for pulling a little accountability on that. Yeah. But I mean, the Utah jazz, they played, if they did not have any injuries, they played at a, at a 61 clip. Right. And that's, right. it's, and that's, uh, I mean, and going back to Hayward, that's what makes Hayward leaving so so hurtful is that you had a basically a 61 team, and I'm not sure if you have a 61 team in Boston um, because you lost so many players and you have to gel and all of those things. So, uh, so 
with Utah, I think they're going to score in the aggregate. I, but I just don't know if it. That's why the, you know, the barometer of their success this year is so varied. If right. Rodney Hood looks like Rodney Hood of after December rather than before December, the Jazz are in trouble. If the if Rudy Gobert is only is able to score one or two more points a game instead of going up to 18, 19, 20 points a game, the Jazz are in trouble. If if Ricky Rubio um, doesn't have the three-point shot they've shown since the All-Star break of last year, they're in trouble. Uh, I don't know if they're able to play Derek Favors and, and Rudy Gobert together uh that also depends like the jazz are a giant what a giant choose your own adventure oh yeah for this season just turn to page 20 and 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 favors is healthy turn to page 25 favors has a bone <laughs> confusion it's, it's uh Derek favors health is key to playing that together he's lost weight it looks like the jazz have told him hey we want you to be able to guard fours and to be able to be out there with Derek with rudy gobert and to be that and he even said he'd been working on his three-point shot. We'll see if that that's true or not. Uh, and well, I'm sure he's been working on it, but whether it's paid paid dividends, we'll see. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, and that's going to be a true a really big key for them because they have a they have Ricky Rubio, who's not a big time three-point shooter that they need to be able to carve the lane. Donovan Mitchell, who is fantastic getting to the hoop. Um, Dante Exum, who they're going to probably play a lot of off guard with and, and backup point guard with, um, he's, he's a big driving to the hoop. They need that spacing more, uh, more than anything. Yeah. Cause they're not going to have very much, uh, if they play no. favors and go bear. Now that, t- if you look at the numbers, those two together have actually been pretty positive over the years. The problem is that that's all with Gordon Hayward in the lineup. And I remember I was trying to dig through some numbers today and, you know, it, I think it's only been about like 150 minutes over the past three years where it's those two on the floor and without Gordon Hayward. So we have no idea what that's going to look like. The thing about playing fast, I don't quite get is if you're going to play that super huge lineup, you know, how are you going to be able to get runners? I guess the idea is you grab and go on the rebounds, but you know, that that's a big question to me. And then if Rubio, the other question I have is a little bit more X's and O's is if, if you're playing that, are they going to play that heavy passing style? And if that's the case, how are they going to how are they going to make Rubio an effective player when he he's much so much better with the ball in his hands than you know when he's kind of has to move around and kind of throw the ball to the elbow and kind of rotate out and cut out and do all that stuff. To that point, um, I, as far as X's and O's, it seems like the Jazz are really going through an X's and O's change because Ricky Rubio has mentioned a couple times now. That uh, a the first one was during the offseason, how he said that Quinn Snyder had been talking to him a lot and a lot about the offense. And both Quinn and uh, Dennis Lindsay have said they want to build that offense around him, make him uh, a Jason, a Jason kid um, 2.0, so to speak. And that would require the ball in his hands a majority of the time. And then when you get to media day. Ricky Rubio makes a comment, well, I've spoken with Quinn Snyder more than I've spoken with any coach. Interesting. In the, in the past, and, and he says in the past two months. And, and Quinn, Quinn Snyder's known for that. He's a big-time communicator. But, but that is, it sounds like they're truly trying to recraft that. And if that's true, the, the pessimist in me thinks that the Jazz's offense is going to look really terrible for the first couple months of the season as they make this huge adjustment right. from 
what they were doing before to what they're going to be doing now. That's fascinating. I'm, that's a trend I'm really curious about. Um, anyway, that's Rubio. We are we do, should talk about Rodney Hood and Donovan Mitchell and uh, Dante Exum. These are sort of the, the roulette of guards. Um, I am a big Rodney Hood fan, and I'm very sad to see what happened to him last year. But because this is our podcast and this is we were sort of senseless and mean to everyone, we're going to play an, a game that we play with a few different people and we make you choose between, you know, your children. Uh, we call this the <laughs> NBA version of, you guys know, do Mary kill. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. We call this an NBA version. Um, we call it max play trade. You have to pick one of these players to max out one of these player, like at the first chance you get one of these players that you're just sort of want to spoon feed minutes to see what they got. And one of these players to either trade or not, keeping your future plans with rot let's say rodney hood dante exum and donovan mitchell who is the max who is the play who is the trade uh james let's see what you got uh for me i mean maybe this is harder for michael i actually didn't struggle with this that much at least in terms of who i would trade uh i know you guys may i actually think the jazz are kind of in an interesting situation that Gordon Hayward put them in kind of a flux season where they kind of have an opportunity to play Dante and Donovan more. I would, I would trade Rodney hood. And then, Hmm. and I, so here's kind of my, the logic behind it. So the first 20 to 30 games of this season are going to be really interesting uh, in terms of just how good we are offensively. We know that the defense is going to be fantastic. And Ricky Rubio is a great defender, uh, is going to defend really well from the one. But if 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 the Jazz are 30 games in into the season and and we've got like the 27th ranked offense, I don't know, you know, if if we're seeing the things we need to be seeing from Rodney Hood and even Ricky Rubio that kind of means that we need to to give Rodney Hood a big contract. The last two seasons with Rodney Hood have been kind of up and down. They've been so streaky and uh-huh. and I think I think Rodney Hood has a chance to be really good, but from what we've seen the last two years it it's scary. <laughs> we we've had we've had this Alec Burke situation for 4 years and just have not been able to play him and I I guess I'm a little scared to just give Rodney Hood that contract when we haven't really seen anything from him to prove that he's going to be a go-to scorer. So I would trade Rodney Hood. I would, I would. Let's see. I would marry Donovan Mitchell. So Maxim, Maxim. Oh, Max. <laughs> okay. No, no. This is Max. Max. It's just Max. It's not a marry. Yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to marry him if you want to. Cool, <laughs> but you don't have to go that far. No, 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 no. Max, Max is. I guess Max is the marry in this scenario. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I would. Uh, I would max Donovan Mitchell and I would play uh, Dante Exum. I I really really want to see Dante Exum play. It's he's also in a contract year and we tanked an entire season to get this guy and he has all the tools in the world. He's six foot six. He's the fastest player on the court. As soon as he gets on it, he's long. He's smart and and he's just he's shown signs, especially. And I know it's summer league, but he. Him and Donovan Mitchell together looked looked great, and they looked like they really had a future together. and And so that's that's kind of what I'm thinking. If if this team thirty games in the season is is just terrible on offense, then I don't know if there's any reason not to start throwing more minutes at 
Dante and Donovan and give them more time. Well, Michael, I heard your reaction to the Rodney Hood comment, so I suspect you do not share the same ma- uh, max play trade choices. Is that correct? No, I actually, I actually share the same. I just wanted to put him on blast. Oh, so, interesting. Um, <laughs> just we're gonna let me hang there. Also, I, I yeah, never mind. <laughs> so, so I, I do agree with Rodney Hood. Um, the reason being with Rodney Hood, though, is I, I do think as as presently constituted, the Jazz are in a really hard cap situation and being a small market team. So maxing out Rodney Hood, you have to really believe that. A, this team, with, as presently constituted, with Hood playing at a max, that is going to really, uh, A, is that going to be a tradable asset down the line? And I don't think that is. Um, if, if, he was, if we wanted to max him out, we would have already, uh, there, it would have been a done deal. But I do think the Utah Jazz are pulling a wait-and-see approach with Rodney Hood to his nagging injuries, his up and down. And they just want to see what's going on. Plus, every GM um, in the league saw how restricted free agency went for a number of players last last offseason and saw the deals that they were able to get with these players and are probably thinking, you know what? If we're pretty limited on that. I'm going to do that. And I feel the same way about Rodney Hood. I, uh, if I, would, trade, I would trade him because he probably has a lot of value to the team. He's going to be able to get um, pr- some pretty good assets back, and uh, he's going to leave the Jazz with flexibility. Um, play, I actually the same thing. Dante Exum, uh, Dante Exum is is a guy who just hit hard luck, and and when he played when his rookie year, he was offensively one of the worst rookies of all time, but defensively. He was part of that turnaround when they – a lot of people, we like to point to Rudy Gobert and say, wow, when they started playing Rudy Gobert and Savannah's cancer, that defense really, really was something special. But Dante Exum took over the point guard position during that time, and it was and, – and he, and he really closes down the perimeter. And for the, the – his last year coming back from injury, he just didn't. He, you could tell he was a step slow. But in that last game with Golden State, and then in summer league, it was like he was just like, "Screw it, I'm going for it. I'm putting all my. I'm just. I'm putting that pressure on the knee. I'm not holding back. I'm just going and kind of let an entire season's worth of frustrations out in one game against Golden State and that game four. And and the, there is evidence that like, so the Jazz signed. Uh... Shelvin Mack last year, or I, or it was the year before, when they just had such a dearth at point guard. And they traded for him, right? Yes. Yeah, they right. traded. That's right. They traded for Shelvin Mack, and and he has a history with Gordon Hayward. He played with Gordon Hayward at Butler, and I mean, there is part of me that wonders if they were playing Shelvin Mack last season as kind of a a way to kind of keep Gordon Hayward in Utah. I mean, the Jazz did so much to keep Gordon Hayward here, and if you watched the Jazz last year, anytime. Dante Exum made any sort of mistake, he was just pulled immediately. And 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 so we watched a lot of Shelvin Mack last season. I think part of that might have been just to appease Hayward, who uh, is a very, uh, he's, I mean, Gordon Hayward expects a lot out of himself and he expects a lot of, out of everyone else to make the right play and things like that. And so even though Shelvin Mack doesn't really have the talent that Dante did, he would play within the offense a little better. And um, I think I think one of the benefits the Jazz are going to have this year is I think that it's it's weird, but they're going to have a little bit of a sigh of relief that we don't have this entire season to kind of appease this guy that 
that we don't know if he's going to re-sign. And so the Jazz can kind of do whatever they want. And if 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 they want to let Dante play through some of his mistakes, they can. And so it might it's going to be kind of nice in that aspect. And 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 then I will say Max Donovan Mitchell. The reason being is I don't I cannot remember the last time we've seen a a Jazz rookie play play the way he did in in a summer league. And we know it's summer league. But the thing that was so unique about it, this wasn't like this wasn't like uh, Morris Almond when he was in and for in, Morris uh, Almond. Morris Almond. I'm Morris, Morris Almond. Almond. Wow. Morris Almond reference. Get yeah. Get ready. The Michael Jordan of the D League. Oh my so, god. <laughs> <laughs> but this wasn't a guy who was just out there just trying to get buckets. I one of the plays that stands out to me is when Tatum was starting to get going when the Jazz were playing Boston and. And Donovan Mitchell asked the the Jazz coaches if he could guard him, comes out the next possession guarding him, tears the ball from him. Tatum is so frustrated that he that he fouls him and then gives him a little extracurricular business. And and Donovan Mitchell's just smiling about it. And and that was like it, that was unique. And that was that was really, really unique. And so that's why a lot of Utah Jazz fans and, and writers and coaches are really excited about Donovan Mitchell because he's a guy who wants to be an all-defensive player before, before he ever gets an accolade for, for a dunk. He's a guy who is set the steals record at Summer League. Yeah. He just and, and the funny thing is, he said he didn't realize how how long he was as far as wingspan until the combine, and then it was like he learned of his superpower. <laughs> That's so. <laughs> I don't know how long your wingspan is as a basketball player. That's so weird. <laughs> I don't get that. So and so he's been and so he said he's been like going for steals, but when before he wouldn't, and suddenly realizing that he's able to. Uh, able to uh, steal the ball from from guys that he he would normally you know would wouldn't have gone for. So, Wait, so I, he, I, did he like get a mutation? This is like the weirdest thing. How does he not know, know well, how how swings spiders? Handle is Spider Man. all right well i guess that that helps to answer one question we got from ali kiabachian which was how long until mitchell can be a contributor it sounds like we think he can actually play quite a big role this year yeah he might play a lot it's it's going to be really fun he was he was electric in summer league yeah he he was he was fun to watch um but it's it's interesting i i still it's, the reason I like pitting him in this question was because like Hood and Exum are two guys that are very talented, and I, I really like their games. It's just that it's something, for whatever reason, is missing, and I don't quite can't put my finger on it. And that's why I, I don't know if for Hood it might just be an injury situation. Um, it might be an injury situation for both of them. It's just something, I don't know, you would think that they would have put it all together by now, but they're still really young too, so it's a good problem to have. Um, I want to get to a couple really quick hitter questions, and then I, I have two more I want to close before we end with predictions. Uh, one question we got, I guess we never fully answered this from TM Warning, is okay, so who is actually going to be the team's leading scorer this year? If Derek Favors is healthy, it might be Derek Favors. The Jazz are going to run a lot of pick and roll with Ricky Rubio. And so they're going to probably run a lot of that with Derek Favors. I, uh, it, it might, I just, I'm so Rodney hood just did not shoot the ball well last season after December. And I, 
I'm still yet to see. I want Rodney Hood to become a spot up shooter. Is kind of what I want him to become, right? Rather than the, than this create his own offense type thing. But I actually I actually think uh, Derek Favors has a real chance to if he's healthy to be our leading scorer. Interesting. Now he Hood had a heel injury right most of the year, so he's playing through yeah. stuff. So that that probably hurt him. Heel, yeah, the injury there, um, and uh, man, because Rodney Hood was so good. Um, especially in those games without Hayward, he was really carrying carrying the load. Well, that should give you some optimism then. If yeah, Hayward that does. Is, that does. If Hayward's no longer there, a lot um, of optimism. But when he scores, here's the thing about Ronnie Hood: when he scores, he gets he'll get it. Uh, he, he gets his buckets in like the first half, and then it's it, then he's quiet. And the hard thing with that is he's not a plus defender, and right. so you have a guy who you know you're still hoping can get those buckets. But but then he hits irrational confidence uh, clutch clutch shots too. Um, I would have to say I'm going to go Rudy Gobert. I'm going Rudy Gobert just because after the All Star break, I, I think I think 18 points gets you gets you the leading score position on the Utah Jazz. I'm not sure if there's anybody who scores over 20. Given how slow they play and how yeah, given how slow they play, even if they speed it up just a little bit, they still started at the slowest point. Um, I, I think it's I think it's going to be Rudy because after the All Star break, he averaged over eighteen points per game. I think they're going to be relying on him more, mm-hmm. um, and I think he's I, I I think with with the limited space available, he's going to go to the line a bit, uh, quite a bit as well. So I, I'm going to. I'm going to go uh, Rudy Gobert. Okay. I would say Rodney Hood. So it's interesting that we have three different answers uh, to this question. Gobert was third on the team in scoring last year behind Hayward and George Hill. Uh, I also, I, I'm a little worried that, you know, Gobert's rolling skills will be tested when there's less space for him to roll into. So. It is. It is it's going to, that's once again, what if turn to page 40. <laughs> yeah. All right, I, I have two more two more things that are sort of only tangentially related. One, I'm springing a little bit of a surprise on you. Uh, I thought of this after I sent out the agenda. Um, we're talking a little bit about jazz history. So the Jazz made 20 straight playoff appearances in the Malone-Stockton era, obviously, right? And famously have not won a championship. What I want to f- try to figure out is, you know, try to think of this like kind of as if you're you were there. Um uh, and really kind of step back and think about like, you know, your own enjoyment of sort of an era. What's like the like kind of playoff appearance to championship exchange right here that you would want? Like how many of those playoff appearances would you trade in to, to get one title? Would it be all 20? Like, would you, would you be fine with 20 lottery appearance, 19 lottery appearances and one championship? Is it more like 10 lottery appearances and one championship? Like what's the exchange rate? Oh gosh, that's really hard. I mean, here, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know if I take a championship and give up those twenty years. There's, there's literally not a day or a week that goes by that someone doesn't talk about John Stockton at the, you know, at the office space or, or, I mean, John Stockton is, is kind of a god in this city. He is. I mean, there's the statues out front, and I mean, he's just revered, and so he's got dealerships, man. He's got dealerships. dealerships. Well, that, that's I, how you I know guess... you made it in the city. You haven't really got Nissan dealership. <laughs> hey, you know what? Gordon Hayward gave up some dealerships. I promise you that. He, <laughs> he could have he, he been immortalized. Immortalized with Jeep. 
I I don't know because it's funny the Jazz Salt Lake actually has a championship. We the Salt Lake Stars from the ABA actually won a championship here and 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 I don't know. Just, I don't know. I don't think I'd take a championship. I think I'd just keep the 20 interesting playoff season. That's that's very noble of you. I would trade them all in. Cash it in. <laughs> Don't for the champ. <laughs> so you're okay. So just so we're oh, clear, yeah. just so we're clear, you would take 19 lottery seasons. That is so painful. And to have yeah. to have one championship. Give me the Clippers for a, for a chip. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Give it. Yeah, give it. <laughs> but, give it all to me. Like, but yeah. Do the Do the Jazz survive if they have 19? Like, do they stay in Salt Lake City? No, if we have no, 19. They don't. They, they don't, but in this well, let's say let, let's say they do. Yeah, let's say they're okay. Yeah, let's say they have like a hundred-year lease at Vivint Smart Arena or whatever they're calling that thing now. <laughs> yeah, they already built the stadium; it's theirs. So, um, yeah, I I say I I would I would because mainly because that is that is that is the roughest part. I, I think a as a as a jazz fan as a jazz fan you're you're dealing with my team is sometimes the the minor leagues for other other teams players yeah so that's one and then two is anytime you have a good a, a good like back and forth with somebody about you know yeah the jazz are good blah 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 and if somebody gets frustrated in an argument they're like how many chips do you have how many yeah. like you get in and you know this too it's like how many rings how many rings count the rings and you're like well <laughs> And it it just really really sucks that you have to be like you know, yeah but we went to the playoffs like twenty years and you have to give this nuanced reason why your team is really successful. Oh, and it would be really nice to just and that's part of the other thing too is when the when when the Jazz were re, uh, you know trying to get Hayward to resign and everything, you know they're like you know we really think we can win the first one versus Boston. You roll in and you're like we can you your your banner can be there. Uh, next to the other ones and <laughs> and so yeah that would be nice to be able to have a banner it would be nice to have a jersey that has a little gold gold tag on the back it would be nice it would be way cool it would be nice to to be able to be like yeah that championship team because for us we have we have to talk about like our best team is remember that team that lost to jordan two years in a row remember uh-huh. that push-off yeah that like the that's, push-off, that's our best the... team the pu- but Jordan, like, the th- the play in that game was Jordan stealing the ball from Malone right beforehand. That's oh the yes, one. yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh! When Malone yes. wasn't looking, was was looking away, and it was a uh, double uh, team was coming a, from the blind side. This is a painful podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm so, sorry. So, yeah, so that that's that's the hard thing. Like anytime you refer to a great te- a great Utah G- Jazz team, you're talking about the team a team that inevitably lost. Like. You're talking about the Darren Williams, Carlos Boozer team. You're like, hey, remember that team that went to the Western Conference Finals that ended up losing to the, the Spurs? But we, you know, we 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 got, you know, we got past Rock, the Rockets and the Warriors. Here's- remember that? Remember that team that missed the playoffs just by a half game, but they had Andre Karolinko on it. That was special. Yeah. Well. Well. Yeah. Well, that you could have 1941 and 41 one game out seasons if you'd like. <laughs> you know, you don't have to have not all all lottery. It doesn't have to mean like the bottom of the lottery, but you still would rather think of your own personal enjoyment, right? 
you have one year where you have the greatest hit of your life, and then you'd have, or uh, not greatest hit of your jazz fandom, I should say, well, not your life. Like let's let's calm down a little well, bit. It might well, maybe be. maybe you went out after <laughs> that. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, and then you just have nineteen years where you're just like, this sucked. I wasted all this time to watch a team that was, you know, didn't even hard. make the like, playoffs. You would trade it. I, w- I, w- I would go full on Bobcats. Full on, like, Bobcats Man. for one chip. Well, if you guys don't have to live through a lot of those seasons. <laughs> I, I would be really upset, though, if it was Darren Williams with a championship and not Stockton. That yes, would, that, that, would, that would be it. That would it would be have upsetting. to be that team. That was, that was the hard thing with that team is that, you like, Part of the reason why you want Carl and John to win that that championship is they had been loyal. They had Carl Malone could have left. Uh, he, I mean, the Jazz had been through this before. Speaking of Hayward with with Carl, and but Carl chose the Jazz in that situation. Yeah. So right, yeah. This is during that twenty year stretch, so it would be that team, and that basically they would go forty one and forty one every year or something, and then they. Yeah, I don't know why. I'd, put reality on this hypothetical but fascinating that we had a disagreement about this so the exchange rate is either 20 to 1 or 0 to 1 that's curious to hear what the exchange rate would be for uh for jazz fans last question for the predictions this is a one we ask everybody and that is quite simply you are on a banana boat a la lebron carmelo d wade and chris paul on your vacation, you get to pick any three players from jazz history to join you. These are players, not necessarily the best players of all time, but the ones you're like, you can tell your friends that, oh, I, I hung out with them. I think I'd have a really good time with them. They get along well together. It would be an enjoyable experience. Which three players, uh, James, are you picking from jazz history? Well, number one, and it's just because he's, uh, he's just a lot of fun. He's funny. He, uh, I, like, I like guys who like to play video games. Mm-hmm. And so one has got to be Rudy Gobert. Um, it's funny, Rudy Gobert. Uh, he had the the bromance this off season with Raul Neto. They spent the entire off season together. They traveled to France and then they went oh. to Brazil. Oh, so their vacation. Yeah, they had the bro. Yeah, the brocation. So oh. I don't think. I mean, I'm just gonna say that I don't think Raul Neto is a package deal. So I'm just gonna go Rudy <laughs> Neto. Sorry, Raul, you can't come. Uh, the next has got to be Joe Ingles for me. Joe Ingles is just, he's a lot of fun. Although he does scare me. I, you know, I'm a five, eight bald man and I, I, he would probably hurt my feelings a couple times, but, uh, oh, no. if you follow, if you Joe, if you follow Joe Ingles, he, uh, he does, there isn't an Instagram post that Joe Ingles doesn't rib another player on. If you, if you follow Joe Ingles and the jazz players on Instagram, but he's a lot of fun. He's funny. I actually am not 100% sure who the third guy would be. Because you've gone with two current Jazz, so you can go back to any player in Jazz history. Keep in mind. Yeah. The thing about Carl Malone and John Stockton is I don't know how much fun Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Like, one of the things in in Utah that's just renowned is how Stockton would kind of He'd kind of yell at you if you ever if you ever went up to talk to him. <laughs> so, he's not known for being a teddy bear. Uh, you know what? I uh, I don't know, Michael. Maybe you can start, and I'll think of it as I oh, go. But I, I got him right here. Okay, we are going number one banana boat. We're, so he was right on one. You you do want to have uh, Joe Ingles on that sucker. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Joe Ingles is is all time just hilarious. So you got Joe Ingles. Uh, next, you want to go with Fasenko. You got to get in for right. Oh, yes, that's of right. That's classic, right. Classic. Like you cannot like every, every picture when he was with the Pacers and he was like on the log flume in Disneyland. Like awesome. So I don't think a lot of our listeners may know who this is. This is Kirillo Fasenko. He was a Kirillo Fasenko. He was a center. Um, if you search Fasenko on YouTube, you'll get a Carmelo Anthony um, press conference in which the Utah Jazz had just beaten Denver. And, he's, <laughs> and, and, he, and the Jazz were, uh, they were down O'Kerr because he was hurt. And, uh, and you have Carmelo being like, Fasenko, man. Fasenko. Fasenko. <laughs> I just found a four-minute Carrillo Fasenko 2010-11 mix out here <laughs> on YouTube. Uh, okay, yes. Made by us. Um, so, uh, so Carrillo Fasenko. And then... You have to get the guy who decided it was a fantastic idea to spend his offseason getting a full back dragon tattoo. That's right. And Andre Karolinko. Andre Karolinko. You, you got those three guys. Am I those... wrong, Michael? Is that a World of Warcraft dragon? I, I, I don't know if it was a World of Warcraft dragon or what. I just remember that is still to this day the most viewed article on SLC Dunk that we've ever had. Interesting. Back tattoo well, of Andre Carolina. That's a wonderful, uh, <laughs> wonderful uh, sort of reflection of our ability to craft coherent sentences around uh, very serious well, matters about a basketball team. <laughs> well, and maybe, maybe you choose AK forty-seven to be on the banana boat because then, while you're on the banana boat, you can admire the the beautiful tattoo that's in front of you. Exactly. Well, he did get it removed semi somewhat. Oh. Oh, that's oh, I didn't good. know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Wait, so I guess um, I'm trying to remember like which way because you're kind of in the front. I guess you could arrange the four of you however the hell you wanted. So no, if you no, wanted. no. So, so <laughs> the thing is, is you want you want Carrillo in the front just because his goofy smile. You just want that there. Hmm. Um, you, you want you want Andre Karolinko in the middle. Um, man. See, I I would think you'd because, want Joe Ingles in the there's front. There's a reason for that you you want Andre Karolinko in the middle, and I'm not sure if it's that if it's known to many viewers, but he it was known that Andre Karolinko was allowed one a one off special uh, significant other a yes. year. So and like so, you like you know how you have and no I remember this like you, you know how like sometimes you'll come up with like who are the ex celebrities that like I'm allowed to cheat you cheat on you with with like a significant other and you come up with like five that you yeah. never would like they actually had a legit like you can not celebrity it can just be literally anyone there's one person who comments on our our blog who has said uh, and, I'm, and there's no way to verify this but they they comment and say that they were. One of his ones. So, um, <laughs> so oh, oh, so it reset every year. Okay, it resets. Yeah, he gets it. Gets a re- so, um, so uh, in the middle, and then you have Joe Ingles in the back, just cracking jokes. Got yeah. it. If Got you, it. You want it, you, you want him to have the full field of view. Got it. See, yeah, I was thinking you want Joe Ingles facing everyone so that we can everybody kind of gets to listen to Joe Ingles make fun of them. Right. Right. <laughs> Either that one too. So yeah. It's, it's, it's either or. Those are some good options. All right. Well, let's. Co- we've come to the end of this. Uh, let's just get uh, on the record prediction. 
the Utah Jazz in the 2017-18 season will win how many games and be what seed or uh, in the Western Conference next year? I'm gonna I'm gonna be good cop here. The Jazz are gonna win 46 games next year, and I think that's good enough to slip into the fifth to the eighth seed. Is it? Maybe. <laughs> that West that is might tough. not be enough. That might not be enough, actually. Okay, Michael, what do you got? I, I, man, on our on our own podcast, I said thirty eight because it was just how I'm feeling, and, and that's hard. A hard thing about the Jazz is like there will be something from like really optimistic, and then you just look at all the what ifs, and you're like, this could really be a house of cards. Yeah. Um, I, you know what? But the thing is, Quinn Snyder took uh, took an injured team and got them to fifty wins. But I do think they win, I'll say, 44 games this year. But I don't think that's enough to get get themselves into the playoffs in the Western Conference. Wow, so I'm more optimistic than both of you. Interesting. Um, well, kind of. Um, I actually like look, went through today when I was bored at work. Uh, again, I don't know why I would be bored at work. But uh, I kind of like looked was like, okay, what is everybody going to rank in offense and defense this year? And I tried to like map it out. And it, there was no science or method to this. And I had Utah as the second best defense in the league and like the 24th ranked offense um, next year. And that I think is good enough for 45 wins in the seventh seed. Yeah, I, I kind of see the Utah Jazz this upcoming season as that 2009-2010 uh, Bobcats team. Where yeah. you're like, wow, they nobody can score on them. And then they get the ball back and you're like, ooh, this is, this is ho- horrific. Yeah. I'm not sure I'm going to enjoy watching them on League Pass this year. Sorry, Jazz fans. Not sure that, well, not sure that if I had my choice that I would – I mean, I, I have to watch everyone, but I'm not sure I'm going to enjoy it with them. Dennis Lindsay said they want their team to feel like a bad trip to the dentist. Yep. So. So, James, you were going to say something. Oh, I was just going to say one other side note about Rudy Gobert is every single time someone comes to play Rudy, because Rudy has that that uh, reputation, they really want to dunk on him. So, like, every game with the Jazz, you're going to see one guy just really go for it. And that's one fun thing to look forward to, at least. I just watch Twitter, and someone will post that video for me. <laughs> that's, that's also true. <laughs> I, used to, I used to call when I didn't like watching the Bucks for a few years back, a couple years back, I used to call them the ultimate Vine team um, because you only <laughs> want to watch them in six seconds, six-second bursts. The Jazz might be a Vine team this year. Uh, <laughs> they very well could be. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I think the bottom of the West is not quite as strong as uh, you guys do. I just I'm not a big Portland fan I don't really like what they've done I I think Memphis has got many big questions I think we still have to see how Denver fits together uh, I really like that team aesthetically but I'm not sure that they're necessarily better than Utah I think they will be but I think it's a decent chance they won't be Minnesota's got just as much spacing problems as as uh, Utah does and not as good a defense so we'll have to see how that comes together so I mean I I would say there's not a there's a not totally unrealistic chance they're the fifth best team in the west anyway um i'm not saying that that that's likely but you know i would say there's probably a 15 to 20 percent chance they can sneak that far up you know again if you have the second or third best defense in the nba it's very hard to lose more than like 40 regular season games it uh, it wins you a lot of games yeah so plus there's a hard home home court advantage and 
I don't know. I'm a little more optimistic about them. I am worried that this fast paced thing isn't going to work out. I'm kind of not sure about Derek Favors like kind of I'm healthy again tour. I'm a little skeptical uh, because also, you know, it used to be that he could really guard perimeter fours and I'm not sure he can anymore with the league going smaller than he was two years ago. Um, and I'm not sure Gobert's going to have the offensive impact he had last year, but I am a big believer in some of their perimeter players. I think at least one of those guys is going to step through and I'd like their defense. And so I also don't really like a lot of the teams around them as much as I thought I would. So I, that's what I'm going for. Um, Either way, it's one of those teams that, you know, we could sit back and be back on this podcast next year and be like, wow, how do we not see this player or this thing emerging? And we could also come back in here and say, wow, man, Gordon Hayward really was that important. You know, they really sunk pretty far. It's a hard team to predict. Yeah. Agreed. Well, anyway, this has been a pleasure. Uh, really appreciate Michael Lohman uh, and James Hansen coming on from SLC Dunk and the SLC Punks podcast to talk about, again, the Utah Jazz, a team I'm fascinated by. Hopefully you guys have some sense now of the psychology of what a Utah Jazz fan it is and how it really is a very unique market and fan base in this league. And a really in- with a very interesting history, and you know they were sort of at the center of one of the biggest stories of free agency, and now they have a team that is a big question mark in a good and a bad way. So, friends, thank you so much for joining us. You bet, it was great. It was a blast, man. All right, well, this is number twenty three of thirty. Again, if you want to look at a team, any team that was worse than the Utah Jazz last year, we've done that preview with members of our SB Nation community. Scroll back on our feed. Next up, we have either Toronto or the Clippers. Uh, I have to schedule those out. But we're almost at the finish line of this. And, um, you know, this has been a really fun series. I hope you guys have gotten a really good insight into local teams. Uh, But until next time, this is the Limited Upside Podcast. 